Your move, creep. Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. The only thing I know how to do. It's a good-looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's right, Lord. Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. So we have a lot of movies to talk about, right? A lot of movies are celebrating anniversaries. And basically, I just said to Austin, well, we have three movies that we should talk about immediately, like for the next episode. Which one do you want to talk about? And then Austin suggested this one. In this episode, we will be talking about White Men Can't Jump. Directed by Ron Shelton from 1992. Back in 92. (laughs) A year before I was born. Two years after you, right? Yes. I was one year and I was three, three days short of two years old when this movie came out. Gotcha. Okay. So have you ever seen this movie? Uh, I'm, I'm, sh- it's one of those movies where it's like, I had to have seen this movie because I remember parts of it, but I don't remember the movie at all. Okay. Like the one thing I remember is, uh, Rosie Perez's character is on Jeopardy. Oh, she is? <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember. I don't okay. remember any of the basketball stuff. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> her on is, Jeopardy. Which this is a basketball movie, isn't it? Yeah, it is a basketball movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yet you remember the scene about... Rosie Perez being on Jeopardy. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, she she was like, man, I'm smarter than people on the show. And then she ends up being on the show, and then she's, like, winning and stuff. And that's, like, the thought that every person has, you know, when they're watching a game show. And they're like, I could do that. And then they go, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> most people think they could. And then if they actually went on, though, they, they'd see that they weren't doing that well. Either because they're nervous on being on TV, <laughs> or maybe they just, maybe they... They, they're just having a bad day. The family feud is full of people having bad days then. <laughs> oh, my God. I've I've never seen this movie. Um, and I've heard of it before. I will say it has a really interesting title. White Man Can't Jump. Like, it's a great title because it already, like, piques my curiosity. I wonder why it's called that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean, though? There are just some titles that just instantly hook you. This is one of those titles. I think it kind of leans into being a basketball movie, you know, and when I think it was like Wilt Chamberlain, when he started playing basketball, he was just so much better than everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and a lot of the people that are playing basketball back then were white guys, you know, and now you have like a different kind of athlete come in and just destroy everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes from. I'm oh, not no. sure, though. Well, I mean, I'm not a big basketball guy. Oh, neither am I. I just I, know a little bit about <laughs> I just, a little bit about basketball history, the, I guess. The little I learned about basketball was from Space Jam. <laughs> and oh my, my cousin, my cousin Ray was really into basketball growing up. He oh, he wanted to play. He And he kind of got me hooked into like Kobe Bryant and stuff. But that was it, though. Like, and I played a little bit of basketball, but I was terrible. I was awful. And I've always kind of been slightly above average height, you know, like for 
for seven-year-olds, like I was a bit taller. I was terrible. People are like, how can you be this bad at basketball? <laughs> I remember, my, oh, I was so bad in a bunch of sports, man. And I guess I disappointed a lot of people because I was tall. You know, I was kind of fast and lanky. And people were like, you're just terrible. Like, the parents in baseball, like parents would roll their eyes when I went up to bat. Oh, no. And same with basketball. They were like, don't pass the ball to him. He's terrible. Oh, oh no. It was it was bad. So <laughs> my sports knowledge is not great, but my movie knowledge is pretty good. And Dang, you know, I mean, everyone's got their thing, right? Everyone's got their thing. And you've got two great leads, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. I love both of these guys. Mm-hmm. And Wesley Snipes, he's been shining in past year, in like recent years, but he's always been awesome. He's always been great. I love him in in Blade. Mm-hmm. Like in the first Blade, that's like not the like the good one. Like the good one is the second one, mm-hmm. and and then the first one and the third one's like really bad, but. The way he acts in the first one's like, geez, this guy's committed to playing this character. Yeah. Like everything he says is a punchline. It's so great. <laughs> like Blade is kind of a goofy concept, right? You got a guy in black mm-hmm. leather hunting vampires, like at a at a vampire club where it's raining blood. <laughs> and he's saying some outrageous <laughs> lines, right? But but he's committed to it, especially in an era that really wasn't used to superhero films. I'm guessing, yeah, right? It was, it was kind of open. Like, they were all kinds of different superhero movies. Yeah. You know? Well, they were experimenting. I'll give them that. But Wesley Snipes was committed, man. He really... He he is arguably probably the best part of those Blade movies. Yeah. And and the worst part when it comes to three, because he had issues with the director. But, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that when we cover Blade. I'm sure we're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about Woody Harrelson who I don't know too much about his early work, but I do know that he was on Cheers for a while. Mm -hmm. And Cheers ran from the 80s to 90s. Um, So this was probably right after Cheers ended when Woody started getting more movie roles. Yeah. Uh, So I'm kind of, I'm really interested to see that. But I'm also, I'm just curious to see this, to watch this movie. All I know is from the IMDb tagline, it's, Black and white basketball hustlers join forces to double their chances of winning money on the street courts and in a basketball tournament. Okay. I like the concept. And you've got Wesley and Woody. All right. Mm-hmm. You got Rosie Perez, too. Can't forget about her. Rosie Perez. And she's... That's the thing, too. I do feel like people forget Rosie Perez, including myself just now. But she's mm-hmm. been around I was waiting for- to see what she'd say about Rosie Perez. Like, oh, I guess he's not going to say anything. No, right. no, 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 no. Re- respect to Rosie. She's been around for a while while, and she's worked with the greats. Remember, Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. Oh, you haven't seen Spike Lee, uh, Do the Right Thing, right? I haven't seen it. No. Nope. She's in that movie as well. Great career, right? I haven't seen too many of her early stuff, but hey, th- that's why we do this podcast, to, mm-hmm. to go back and see what these actors were doing back in the day in the beginning of their careers or, you know. I, I think basketball was like really hot in the 90s, partially because of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. This comes out, what, four years before Space Jam? Yeah, Space Jam was 96. And then it, I think there, there was, must have been more basketball movies, like The Basketball Diaries. Um, oh, was that with Leo? Yeah, that was in 95. It was a different mm-hmm. era, you know? I don't know if you, like there was one basketball movie this year, or this, this decade, Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. Uh, well... And I just, well, there I was the Matt Damon, or Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck one, The Way Home. 
that was kind of about basketball, but it wasn't really. But not the not the same. It's not this. Uh, yeah, because I like these movies. Like you know about, even though you've never seen them, mm-hmm. you know about them. You know, I I feel like in order to really like appreciate this movie, maybe we need to do a little bit of uh, research on some basketball stuff mm-hmm. in the nineties. Like, why was it yeah. so big? <laughs> I don't. Well, know. I think one big point is Michael Jordan, but there might be more to it. I mean, who knows? I, I feel like they didn't. Like the star power just isn't isn't the same. Like there's LeBron and then like the other people in the, the Space Jam movie were like, I, I don't really know who they are. Is it because I'm not paying attention or is it because they're not as famous as they were before? That's, you know, like I know Charles Barkley. I know Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing. You know, is it is it because they're super famous or because I was a kid and basketball was on TV all the time because my dad watched basketball? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's tough to say, honestly. Um, I'm I'm not too sure. I think that's one area that I'm going to have to do a bit more research in because I really don't know how to answer that. <laughs> it's just something to think about, I guess, as we're watching no, the movie. No, absolutely, 100%. No, but I'm really, I'm curious. I'm really curious. And I I was watching the Oscars. I watched them live this year and they had like a little... Lucky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw it live. I saw... So you went through that whole process of like, was that real? Oh, yeah. oh 100%. <laughs> Definitely in the moment, you're like, oh, that's that's part of a gag. And then you... And then you, what gave it to me was Lupita Nyong'o's uh, reaction. And I was like, <laughs> oh, she's not laughing. Do you know what I mean? Like when you see... Or she, she was doing the, the like, oh... Like she's realizing it as you, as you're realizing and, it. Well, I'm realizing it because she's realizing it. Because yeah. when they cut out the audio and you see Will yelling and you see Lupita's yeah. reaction, you're like, why is she not laughing? Right. Like if this is a bit, <laughs> the bit should be funny, but she's not laughing. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, no, but uh, they had like a little thing where they were talking about they, they kind of brought out different presenters and they brought out Wesley, Rosie and Woody. And it said 30th anniversary of White Men Can't Jump. And I was like, oh, that's that's what we should talk about. We you and I have mentioned it before. We haven't really talked about sports movies outside of Space Jam. So it's like, why not? All right. Now, maybe we should get into the box office of 1992 to get ourselves in that space. Mm -hmm. Let's see. White Men Can't Jump was on a 30. Wow. No way. $31 31 million dollar budget for white men can't really jump. 31 million that seems yeah that seems really high i was thinking 15 million yeah 31 Jesus. million 31 million shit and that's more now because of inflation back then i don't think you'd spend 30 million dollars on a comedy movie <laughs> that's mm. that seems pretty wild you'd have to we'd have to compare it to other comedies of that era yeah we can you can compare it uh home let me see. Home Alone 2, which was number two at the box office. Wait, what was number one? Oh, OK, I'll, I'll do an order. OK, number one at the domestic box office of in 1992 is Batman Returns. Oh, wait, 92? 92. Whoa, OK. Michelle Pfeiffer. Meow. <laughs> and the number two at the box office was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay, that makes sense. Number three, Lethal Weapon 3. Number four, Sister Act. Number five, Aladdin. Number six, Wayne's World. Number seven, Basic Instinct. Oh, my Mm. God. Uh, Number eight, A League of Their Own. 
9. The Bodyguard. And 10. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Okay. Also coming out this year is Patriot Games, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Under Siege. Oh my. We have to do a Steven Seagal film at some point. Uh, I don't want that. I don't one, want though. it, but we have to. Uh, not that one. We can do a different one. Um, my cousin Vinny. Hey, I love I love this movie. It's probably in my top ten. I Encino Man. Ooh, Candyman. Candyman was October of ninety two, mm-hmm. which we covered. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the movies there, and I read over some of the comedies because I feel like thirty one million is pretty high yeah. for a R rated comedy. So my cousin Vinny, that production budget was. 11 million dollars okay wayne's world 20 million dollars really wayne's world 20 million yes 20 million okay uh sister act oh the budget for sister act was also 31 million really yeah why <laughs> no no like like uh, hey, look, no, no no i like sis, i like sis, sister act but 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 Sister Act does have like a huge like musical ensemble and Whoopi Goldberg's and Whoopi Goldberg's a huge star at this point. She's coming off of like the color purple, right? When was that movie? 85. December of 85. But from like a from a movie title perspective, right? White Men Can't Jump. I like it seems like it's an original R-rated comedy. Sister Act, I think, is an original story as well. But like Wayne's World, like of all the films that you mentioned. I ima- I would imagine that Wayne's World would have the biggest budget because it's based on yeah. an SNL skit that was really that was really popular. So if you get the stars from SNL to make that, you're probably going to put in a lot more money. It, think of like the Blues Brothers, right? That was an extension of an SNL sketch, and the budget became really big for that movie. <laughs> yeah, that, I I know that that movie was kind of insane, mm-hmm. right? Like how they crashed so many cars and they filmed in Chicago and everything. Like I know the story more so I can like understand why that movie was so expensive. Yeah. Maybe it'll make more sense watching when we, when I watch white men can't jump, but, but 31 million is still a lot. I mean, I, 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 again, yeah. again, I'm just, I can only theorize. I don't really know particularly the details. Cause yeah. I mean, if you had told me that blues brothers was an expensive film before watching the movie, I would have been like, why? Yeah. Which I, which honestly might've been a reaction. <laughs> Also, to your point, like those those two guys are SNL legends, right? So it's like, oh, okay, that it makes sense. They're a popular thing on a popular TV show. Yeah, like if you had said Wayne's World cost thirty million, thirty five million, I would have been like, okay, makes sense. Two SNL stars, SNL's like really big at this time. They want to mm-hmm. cash in. They don't want they don't want to hold them back. And with the success of Blues Brothers, they might have been like, oh, just. You know, give Mike Myers as much money. Give Mike Myers and Dana Carvey as much money as you need. Like, you've got a blank check. You know what I mean? But for that yeah. movie to have an even lower budget than White Men Can't Jump, I'm intrigued. Do you think Wesley Snipes was like a... Well, I guess we can get into that later. Because yeah. I don't... I feel like he wasn't like a super huge star at this point. I can't speak... Like, this is part of, like, his rise to, like, top stardom well yeah that's i mean that's what i'm thinking too because i mean same with woody woody is yeah i mean he would a years from now i don't know if how big he was i know he was on cheers but he wasn't the lead of cheers he was like a side character that came in seasons after the actual show premiered Mm -hmm. but the television movie landscape was different in the 90s i mean 
yeah. know, a side character from Cheers, Frazier, had his own show that was amazing, right? Um, oh, that's not like your favorite show. It's one of my favorite comedies. Frasier is, <laughs> if Frasier is incredible, which is funny because when I first saw it, I was like, what's this? What's this white bread ass, uh, fancy schmancy sitcom looking thing? And then I actually watched the show. I'm like, oh my God, this is really fucking hilarious. This is really, really <laughs> funny. I, I've seen that show, uh, from beginning to end, like three times. It's incredible. That's that's hilarious. I, man, that's one of the biggest U-turns I've ever done. And this is why I always say, if you want to make a want to make a judgment on something, that's why you got to give it the chance. Because I have done this plenty of times where I've judged something way too harshly at first. Then it turns out I'm wrong. No, well, I mean, to be fair, there is a lot of stuff out there now. So you can't really give everything a chance. You're, you'll be dead before you finish half of it <laughs> true but maybe reserve any harsh criticisms for actually watching the film you know not everything's gonna yeah, be your cup you, of tea and that's okay but yeah you, you you can't say something's bad without you know watching that's it. one of my you just say like i don't think i'm going to enjoy yeah, this exactly i i think that's one of my pet peeves is that people make judgments on things that they don't know about and i'm like or don't understand it it, it bugs me too. yeah it's like if you haven't seen it you know like, again, it's like, oh, white men, white men can't jump just doesn't look entertaining to me. So I'm not really going to watch it. Hey, totally fair. Cool. But it's like, man, that movie looks like garbage. H have you seen it? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. And yet I was wrong. That's something that like if someone's like looking at you or listening to the show, I feel like knowing that you also like Frasier is like a huge mind blower for listeners out there <laughs> again i don't know that already <laughs> it's it's funny because again it's not a show that you'd like oh he'd like it that no but it was it's one of those things that just from the episode i saw i was like oh my god this is great <laughs> no but so <laughs> it's it's i feel like it's like so unrelatable to you too exactly. like rich guys in seattle that are like super intellectual like smarty pants <laughs> they just talk about beethoven and oh my god but it's it's so good though <laughs> it's so good <laughs> i i've been thinking about rewatching it again recently oh my god oh uh, that's the power of cheers cheers was a huge show uh Fra frazier was big mm -hmm. But it wasn't like Cheers. And that's what I'm saying. It's really hard to say how big of a presence Wesley and Woody had because maybe they weren't at the height of their career, but they might have mm -hmm. still been really big deals. I mean, I mean, like you said, Whoopi Goldberg, seven years before this movie, she made The Color Purple and she was huge. You're right. Who Whoopi Goldberg was huge. What if we're not? What if we just can't see it? But maybe Wesley and Woody have that same kind of equivalent. You know, Woody was on cheers maybe he had a bigger presence than i'm aware of because i haven't finished cheers and wesley might have had some hits before this that really started to cement mm -hmm. him as a hollywood a-lister uh, i think it was uh new jack city came out the year before i've never seen that i've heard of it I, I just know the gif of wesley snipes holding the gun mm. and i know that when i watch that movie and see that scene it's gonna kind of ruin it for me <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know well hey I mean, that's what happens i mean hey you mentioned it in the godfather <laughs> Yeah. Look at how they massacred my boy. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're going to be researching a little bit of basketball, a little bit of the careers. Like, why was this movie so expensive to make? That's my biggest question. Yeah. 
uh, it made 90 million so it was like successful mm-hmm. um and i feel like the phrase white men can't jump maybe there's something more to that or maybe this movie kind of invented it i don't know well it does to me it does seem to kind of um at least bring up the idea of like some sort of race relations right between white between white yeah. and black people and i mean yes. the title makes that very upfront and clear white men can't jump yeah um, and mm-hmm. then you've got two leads, one black, one white. It seems like the movie's at least going to commentate on that. Um, now, to what extreme? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's very multiracial, yeah. this movie. I mean, we do. Rosie Perez is, uh, I think, is she Puerto Rican? I believe so. Born in Brooklyn. All right, that's a good sign. Oh, Puerto Rico. Her mother is born in Puerto Rico. Her father, also born in Puerto Rico. Mm. So she is Puerto Rican. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm really curious to see kind of where these actors were in their lives at that moment, Wesley, Woody, and Rosie. And with the thing with comedies, too, is like, how well is the comedy going to hold up? That's a fantastic question, because we've seen it happen where some comedies just don't age well at all. Some of them are just way too, way too edgy. We talked about this with a scary movie, where... Yeah. I, I still respect what that movie was trying to do. I get it. I understand it. And thank God the Wayans did what they did because, you know, they they opened up a lot of opportunities for some comedians and stuff. But some of the joke, some of those jokes have not aged well at all. Oh, no, they, it's painful to, to watch that movie in places. Absolutely. Um. So I'm curious, is White Man Can't Jump going to be on? that kind of territory or is it going to because it is r-rated mm-hmm. but r-rated for what i'm obviously cursing and what kind of comedy is it too like is it slapstick or is it i i don't know there's a lot more questions that i have about this movie now it's 30 years old it's i'm only two years older than this movie now <laughs> well i guess i always was yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> not suddenly now um, yeah um so we will see you in one minute hey hey man what's the score Chump, well, I'm talking to you. Well, what, what, you deaf or something? Talking to the fucking air. My name ain't Chump, it's Billy Hoyle. <laughs> Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Okay, Billy. Now, can you count to ten, Billy? Yeah. Good. What's the score, Billy? I don't know. Then you're a chump. I mean, be a chump, I just said that wasn't my name. <laughs> Put your ass in. Fuck you. Let's go. Hello, everybody. We are back from watching. I almost said do the right thing, but that is not the movie we watched. We watched White Men Can't Jump from 1992, directed by Ron Shelton. I don't think we mentioned this before, but Ron Shelton was nominated for an Oscar for a 1988 baseball film called Bull Durham with Kevin Costner. No way, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this guy comes from a sports sports comedy background. <laughs> um, oh. So this is the first time I watched the movie that I can remember. Yes. First time. No, didn't know what it, what it was about. I know the people in it and I know the trailer and I know something. It's got some Jeopardy scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I knew. And after watching it, I was... Um, I found myself really liking it. Okay. Okay. Really interesting. Yes. I'm very particular with comedies. A lot of comedies don't make me laugh. 
Um, but this I did find funny. And I feel like it, it was more than just a look at these outrageous people do outrageous things kind of comedy. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like there's like a, a story to it. It's very dramatic and in places and it leaves you thinking about, man, what was that movie trying to say? You know what I mean? Like there's, it was definitely, I definitely feel like it was trying to say something, which makes it a pretty, I think it holds up very well. Okay. Interesting because I liked it. I didn't love it. It, it, it was a good time. It was a good time. It is a movie that is trying, it's trying to be more than what it is, right? Because you have the basic premise. Two basketball players are trying to hustle people out of money. Pretty standard story. But there is a race element to it, right? It doesn't complicate things, but it does add that extra layer that's alluded to by the title, White Men Can't Jump, which becomes kind of like a point in the film. It's an interesting movie. It's funny, definitely in parts. I didn't love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I just, it didn't take my soul to the next level, Um, (laughs) which is, which is okay. That's not, that's... That's not a complaint to the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, just not every movie is going to work on that level. This is a this is a pretty good movie. Just different movies are going to click differently with different people. Uh, I know Maybe we can get into why that is at towards or throughout this episode. Yeah, and I mean, to be like to be fair, I think the movie has held up pretty well. Um, and I I don't know, it just didn't totally click with me on every level. But I will say this. I love the three leads, Rosie, Woody and Wesley. They are exceptional in this movie. So good. Yeah. And you could definitely see like, oh, these three are going to go far in their careers. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just with the chemistry with each other, but kind of what they bring to each role. Uh, They they are actors like you, you, you. Your eyes are trained on them. And you're like, man, there's just something about that guy that I really like, you know, or, or that woman. And yeah, man, it. It, it totally shines. And and the jokes are really funny, too. There are moments in this movie that had me, like, dying. Um, but didn't take my spirit away. You know, it didn't lift my soul away. But <laughs> enjoyable. Um, I recommend it. Especially since it's its 30th anniversary. It's worth checking out. Yes, I would, I would think so. And we didn't mention this before, which we should have. But the film is available on Hulu. So if you have a Hulu subscription... You can watch White Men Can't Jump. Um, So we usually like to start these episodes with a brief summary of the movie. Um, So if you don't want this movie spoiled for you, you can go watch it on Hulu, as I just said before. Um, But if if you've seen the movie and you're like, I don't really remember what it's about, this is the part for you. Or if you're like, I don't want to watch the movie until I know it's good. Well, this is also for you. (laughs) Um, Okay, so our main character is billy hoyle played by woody harrelson it starts off in venice it looks gross and hot you know like venice in los angeles um and he's just like getting off the bus with the basketball backwards hat and the parental advisory shirt it's like classic 90s he's even got like some nike shoes on that are like pretty recognizable if you're like a shoe person he's going around looking for the courts in venice where uh these like duck and the king and duck these like basketball players that are famous in this movie uh the where they used to like play people and they were like the best in town um he sees some of these uh like acapella singers they're singing and then he donates some, some money to them 
and then he just kind of takes a nap on the beach or the court by the beach. And we fast forward in time and we see Wesley Snipes' character, Sidney. Uh, he's playing basketball with some people and he's talking a lot of trash. He's really funny. Um, and one of the guys, he gets hurt, right? And he just wants to like take a sit on a bench because he's his girlfriend is there and he wants to like be cuddled and doted on. <laughs> um, so he's so they're like looking for someone to fill in for him. And he's like, oh, let's take the chump. Let's take Woody Harrelson because he looks like a nerd. Uh, so they bring him in. Wesley Snipes' character is talking trash him the whole time. But Billy's actually really good and he wins the game for the, the other team. Sid is upset by this, so he keeps talking trash. And then he ends up challenging Woody Harrelson, uh, Billy, to a best of five free throws. And Billy nails them all, but Sid misses the last one. So he owes, ends up owing Billy Hoyle money. So then Billy Hoyle goes back and we meet his girlfriend, played uh, Gloria, played by Rosie Perez. And she's like, how much money did you get? And he's like, well, it's good to see you too. And we find out that they actually owe money to the Stucci brothers. So there's a reason like why he's hustling people on the basketball courts. They're trying to pay off this debt, this $8,000 debt. This is 1992 money, right? Yeah. So they flirt and stuff and they... They talk about all the money they're, they're going to get. And she's trying really, really hard to be on Jeopardy. She's memorized all this trivia, all this useless information. She's got post-its everywhere. She's reading an almanac. But Wesley Snipes, uh, Sydney, he comes in. And he's like, hey, um, I have a business proposition for you. And he wants to start hustling other basketball players for money. So we fast forward to their first hustle against this guy, Raymond who's actually in real life a basketball player or was a basketball player, Mark, Marquez, Marquez Johnson. Um, and uh, Sid, Sid beats him in basketball. He's talking trash the whole time. Raymond's like, well, well, uh, stop talking trash. We, let's just do a rematch. And then he's like, all right, I'll let you pick my partner. And if we win, we'll get $500. Um, so put up your $500 and he's like, all right, I need to go check my glove box. <laughs> he goes and tries to rob a store. Raymond tries to go and rob a store right then and there. Um, but he knows the clerk recognizes him. So he ends up selling his gun for two fifty. Um, so then he comes back and then he picks Billy because Billy looks like a nerd. He's wearing the same outfit he was before pretty much. And then they end up beating Raymond and Raymond's mad. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get my other gun and I'm going to shoot everybody. Uh, so they, Sydney and Billy run away. Um, they talk about Jimi Hendrix and uh, Sid is like, you can't listen to white people can only listen to Jimi Hendrix. They can't hear it. And then Billy's like, that's the same thing. What do you think, Gloria? And she's like, yeah, what are you talking about? And he starts playing some like country music. And then he's, Sid is like, this is bullshit. And then Gloria's like, yeah, I don't like this either. And then Billy's like, hey, you're supposed to defend me, blah, blah, blah. So they drop him off and then uh, Sid discovers that Billy's really sensitive about Gloria. Like he says that she's pretty and then he's like, hey, you stay away from my woman and all this stuff. He's like, oh, so that's your weakness. And Billy's like, well, your weakness is you, you, you showboat too much and you, you worry about looking good first and winning second. Um, we fast forward to their next hustle at Watts. Uh, same kind of thing happens where... You know, Sid's talking a bunch of trash to this guy, and the guy's like, "Oh yeah, well, let's do a rematch." And then I'll I'll pick your partner. They pick Billy, and they actually lose this game. And 
when Billy gambles, he gambles with all the money that they've been saving up. So he loses all of the money. And then he goes home to Gloria and she's like, man, were your opponents like really good or something? And he's like, nah, they were good. But like, I don't know, I guess Sid was having an off day. And she's like, wait, Sid was having an off day. I think you got hustled. And he's like, we didn't, he didn't get hustled. He's a good guy. So then they go over to Sid's apartment and he's got the opposing team in his apartment. They're all chilling, watching the game. And he's like, God damn it, I was hustled. And they start arguing. Gloria talks to Sid's wife and they come to an agreement. Hey, we're going to do this basketball game and we're going to split the winnings. They're going to enter this tournament. And at the tournament, there's a bunch of players there, but there's two that are really good. And Sid warns him. Sid warns Billy, hey, those guys are really good. We're going to have to keep an eye, our eyes on them. At this point, Billy just starts talking a lot of trash. A lot of trash. He calls one of the guys the Black Zorro because he's got a, a Z in his haircut. Um, and it gets him really mad. Things get really heated. But it's still like a comedy kind of heated. So it's funny. But it they're like right about to come to blows. Right about to start beating the shit out of each other. And Sid is talking trash to... Or Billy's talking trash to Sidney too. His teammate. Uh, but they end up winning the the tournament. And they get the money. And they're still talking trash to each other. Billy thinks that Sydney doesn't think he can jump because white men can't jump. So he's like, you know what? I bet my half of the money that I can dunk in this on this court. I just need three tries. He doesn't get it in three tries. He doesn't get it at all. Uh, so he loses his half of the money again. Goes home to Gloria and she breaks up with them. And he, at this moment, the Stucci brothers, they come in and are like, hey, where's our money? They, they take him out to the boonies to like the LA river and they're about to shoot him. And he's like, just give me one more week. And he's like, all right, but this is what happens if you don't show up. And they show him a bunch of Polaroids with people who look like they're dead. He's like, yeah, this is what happens. You got one week. So he goes back to Sydney and he's like, Sydney, I need help. Gloria left me. I want her back. She wants to be on jeopardy. Can you, can you help me out? He knows the guy who ends up letting her on jeopardy and She's killing it. She meets Alec Trebek and she's answering everything because it's all like the weird stuff that she's memorized before. She ends up winning, dethroning the current champion. And then Billy goes over to her dressing room and she doesn't want to talk to him. But he ends up playing this song about like an argument they had earlier in the movie. And then she's like, all right, I take you back. They have sex and everything and they're happy together. She's talking about what she's going to do with the money. Uh, they're going to be okay. And she gives him $2,000 so that he can go find an actual job. Meanwhile, Sydney gets robbed. Uh, and they take, a lot, they take his TV. They took a lot of his savings. So he's, he's in a bit of a bind now. So he goes over to Billy and is like, hey, duck, duck in the king are in town. Let's go play against them. He doesn't tell him that he was just robbed. This is important. He doesn't tell him he was, he was robbed at all. And Billy's like, Oh, sweet. Let's do it. And he, Sydney says, well, we need 2000 to get in. And he's like, oh, well, I just got 2000 Gloria gave me 2000 so that I could find a job. But, hmm, she might not like that I'm using this money to gamble again. I don't think she'll understand. So he, he tells her, hey, I have the thing to do with uh, Sydney. It'll be the last time. And she's like, are you serious? If you gamble with that money, I'm gone. And he's like, uh, I'll guarantee that we win. So she says goodbye to him tearfully and then skates away. And she never comes back. 
she's gone for the rest of the movie. They don't get back together. That's it. That's it for Gloria. So they they win this game. They get the money. He goes back to the hotel where they're staying at, and she's gone. And he knows that it's like for real this time. And then, of course, the Suchi brothers track them down. And he's like, hey, give me the money. And he's like, okay, here's the money. And then it cuts to Billy looking like he's dead in an alley. But it's just like an act for the Stucci brothers to take a picture and put it in their like envelope of uh, Polaroids of seemingly dead men who owed them money. And he's like, you know what? It's all about respect. And they drive away. And then uh, Billy asks Sydney for a job because Sydney has a bunch of these side businesses going on. He's like, all right, I'll get you a job. If I don't take care of my brothers, who else will? And that's the end of the game or end of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) You got a little confused there. I I I read game and then I said I said game. No, but that, that's a really good summary. Uh, you kind of hit the big points. Uh, I mean, you hit all the big points, and it's an interesting movie. There is something that you said that I didn't notice: is that Sidney doesn't tell them that he was robbed. He doesn't, which is interesting because I was like, wait a second, why don't they just tell Gloria about what happened? But no, no, no. But I feel like. I think Sidney did tell Billy that he was robbed. He doesn't. He doesn't? He never does. Billy, you got some money? Yeah, I got a little dough. Why? Eddie the King Farouk and Doug Johnson are back. They're working the courts downtown right now, man. They're cleaning up. King and Duck? We can take them, man. Yeah, yeah we can take them. But yeah. it costs 2500 to get in. Dude, I got two grand, man. I just got two good, grand. Good, good, All right, let's do this. Man. Huh. That ending could have been handled very differently. <laughs> if- yeah. Also, what what is um, important to notice is um, Sydney knows the security guard on the, I guess, who owns Jeopardy? Is it AB Warner Brothers? No, no. It's recorded on the Sony lot. Sony, right? So that's how Gloria is able to get on Jeopardy in mm-hmm. the first place. She has been calling Jeopardy. She's been applying. She's do, doing everything to try to get on that show. But it's not until the security guard allows her to be on the show so that he can owe, so that uh, Sydney will owe him a favor, so that Billy will owe him a favor, <clears throat> a favor, right? Yeah. She doesn't know that he did that either. Tell me the truth. You didn't think that Jeopardy was going to call, did you? Must confess, I didn't. See, honey, that's why you gotta trust me more. Oh, you're right, as usual. I know. Which made me question, like, just tell her that you, just tell her that she's on the show because of Sydney. He doesn't communicate. He is right? a terrible. Isn't that, that he, his thing? Yeah, he he's a well. One of the biggest things is that he is very arrogant, and he's yes. he's very uh, what's like just quick to quick to the gun, because every mm-hmm. time that he's challenged, he he goes back on what he was supposed to do. Gets confrontational. He he lets his ego in the way. It happens with the Stucci brothers. Yes. So the reason they owe, I didn't really talk about this in the story because I was trying to like get to it, but they owe the Stucci brothers money because they bought a car from them that didn't work. So in order to like make both parties happy, they asked Billy to throw a game so that they could get some money back. Because he was a college basketball player. Yeah, because he was a college basketball player. And because the enemy team said something to Billy, like, you can't shoot worth a shit or something. He was like, all right, I'm going to win this game now. I even though you. I owe these loan sharks money. You know, even though this is all this, I'm being paid to lose. Which 
it, it frustrates you because he keeps making that mistake. <laughs> except yes. at the except I will say at the very end, he doesn't it's him going back and playing that last match is not a mistake. I'm very much for him helping Sydney. Uh I think it was the right thing to do, going back and helping Sydney. But I didn't think it was gonna come at the cost of Gloria. I would have just communicated, just hey, Sydney got you on Jeopardy. That's how you were able to go. He's helping us. Now he needs our help. I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like, it's been a contentious relationship, but he 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 did us a solid. Now I'm going to do him a solid. Ay, Dios mío. That was, that was frustrating. Yeah. But it's, it's, I think that it's to kind of show you that, like, you, this is not, like, good, sustainable behavior. You know yes. what I mean? Like, you can't just, and so much of the problems come from him not knowing when to stop. You know, like they get the $5,000, which is the most money they ever get in their hustle, in their mm. basketball. Um, I don't know if you can call it career, but their basketball career. $5,000 is the most money that Woody Harrelson ever holds in his hands. And what does he do with it? He spends it or he gambles it. He gambles it <laughs> against well, Sydney, who's driving him home. It frustrates me, but it's an, it's a frustration that I'm okay with. Because I, I think it's rooted back to Woody Harrelson's it's, character. Yes, and, it's and, all rooted in his character. It, which which is like a frustration because it's like, I would have handled that differently. Yes, of course. But that doesn't mean the characters are going to do that differently. Like, I don't right. like the complaint when people say about horror movies, well, I would never do that. It's like, yeah, you wouldn't because you know you're watching a movie and the characters aren't suspending their disbelief. They're in they're engaged with what's happening yeah if you need something from the garage you're gonna go to the garage you're not gonna not go in there because it's dark if you hear stupid if (laughs) if you hear something that sounds kind of weird you're gonna go check it so and also in a horror film people need to die in order for it to be an exciting film right suspenseful in this film a lot of arguing this movie's a lot of arguing Mm -hmm. and if the characters acted reasonably there'd be no conflict Right. And the thing is, the Stucci brothers aren't really a big point of conflict. They really come up only twice in the film. The biggest conflict is between the three main leads, Wesley, Woody and Rosie, all between them. Yeah, Uh, because they can't they aren't able to properly communicate with each other. And that even I mean, that's brought up in multiple times in the film. Right. When when Woody Harrelson says, I can hear or no, no, or like. I could hear Jimi Hendrix and Wesley Snipes says, no, you, no, you listen to Jimmy. You don't hear Jimmy. They don't, uh, they don't understand each other. Like they can't come in a common agreement as to what that means. And he doesn't ask like, what do you mean by that? You know, it, like- <laughs> same thing with Rosie Perez. When there's something that happens where she says that she's thirsty. So Woody gets up, he gets her a glass of water and she gets upset. And she explains that, and this was weird logic. Yeah, it was I, weird. She explains that she doesn't want him to get her some water. She wants him to understand how she feels. When I said I was thirsty, it doesn't mean I want you to bring me a glass of water. It doesn't? You're missing the whole point of me saying I'm thirsty. If I'm thirsty, I don't want you to bring me a glass of water. I want you to sympathize. I want you to say, Gloria, I too know what it feels like to be thirsty. I, too, have had a dry mouth. I want you to connect with me through sharing and understanding the concept of dry mouthedness. This is all in the same magazine? And 
Woody's like, I don't get where you're coming from. I don't understand. Like, this whole movie kind of centers around just not being able to communicate with each other. There's another part where Rosie, where Gloria, uh, where Rosie says to Woody, sometimes when you win, you really lose. And sometimes when you lose, you really win. And sometimes when you win or lose, you actually tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. Winning or losing is all one organic mechanism from which one extracts what one needs. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't, like, I, I guess. She's, she's summarizing every single sports movie, you know? Well, yeah. Like when the, the basic conceit is like, yeah, it, you, it may seem like you've lost, but you might have really won, i.e. Rocky, um, you know, and when you yeah. win, you might have actually lost. Like they do at the end of this movie. They yes, win against. This, du- I like, love that. That was going to be my quote at the end of the movie. Oh, OK. <laughs> Winning and losing is all part of the organic globule that one from which one extracts what one needs. Yeah. And at the very end of this movie, they win against the two competitors at the end. But he loses Gloria. Um, So it's just a, a bit of this movie or a large part of it is really communication. Uh, you're talking mm-hmm. about almost interpersonal relationships, but you're also talking about two pe- two men from different races, different backgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. That's what makes this movie interesting. I think that's what elevates it just a little bit more than from just a regular. Well, I was actually thinking about this. Um, sports movies are really good when it comes to communicating issues of race and gender and social class. Yes, because I, I think you, you have people who are like who need to play to survive, you know, like this is my ticket out of this unfortunate, like less than desirable place to live. You know what I mean? And you have other people who have been handed so much their entire lives and they're like meeting in the same sport or co- competition maybe their teammates you know it's interesting because sports and I'm, I'm i mean this might seem obvious to some people but i don't know why it just clicked with me recently because with sports it's a large part of them some of the more popular sports are team related one person cannot do everything you might be the fastest runner but without a quarterback or with someone handing you without with someone without someone handing you the ball there's nothing you could do right in a in a eight versus eight one means nothing, right? You you need to work together. I don't know, man. <laughs> and a Ronaldo Jr., <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, well, there's interesting. It just, with sports, it's not really a one person does it all, right? It, you need someone else to rely on or to kind of help you out to make it a team effort. But that mm-hmm. person can come from a very different background, very different childhood experience, different different economic background, and they might see the sport very differently from how you see it. And there's a lot of ways to bring conflict into that. And that's what it's really interesting because this isn't the first time Woody and Wesley has worked together, have worked together. Right. They, they, they had a movie called Wildcats before. Right. Yes. With Goldie Hawn, where she was a female coach, a football coach for this uh, inner city football high school, high school. Right. She was coaching her football team. Uh, a female coach teaching a bunch of high school boys. Very clear, like very immediate, right? That conflict. And and she's a white woman. Most of the people were of color, right? It's varied, but you could immediately see, oh, okay, so this is how they bring gender and race and social status. It's like, oh, that's really interesting. And this movie 
has that. It has that aspect. And it really, I don't know, maybe it's because I haven't seen a lot of sports movies recently. I mean, the last one I saw was the Ben Affleck basketball one, but that was about alcoholism more than anything. It's a really interesting story, especially when you consider that Ben Affleck also suffers from alcoholism. So that was the last sports movie I think I saw. And watching White Men Can't Jump and reading about Wildcats kind of started made me go back and think, oh, my God, where, well, there's the Mighty Ducks, which have Gordon Bombay, who's from a very <laughs> different world, teaching these kids how to play hockey. You have Remember the Titans. And I'm like, oh, my God, like sports movies are really good at this. Yeah, I think the, the better sports movies are more about the it's not just about the, the sport. You know, there's you need to care about the characters, you know, and it's it's got to mean more than the big game, like what makes it the big game. I can remember the Titans. It's like, hey, you're the only desegregated team in the league. So mm-hmm. it's like if if the desegregated team doesn't win, then it makes the other segregated teams seem more justified in their existence mm-hmm. you know like the stakes are are high because it's not just about the game it's a philosophical battle outside of it just being a competitive sport yeah in in speed racer too like it's the capitalistic greed versus the integrity of the sport you know? oh man Ooh, <laughs> speed race but but you're absolutely right um wildcats gender gender roles because if these men see goldie hahn as just a, just a female coach and not as her actual coach, if if they fail, people are gonna laugh at her. Right? I mean, that's mm. well, that's the whole thing. If if the team that she's leading loses, well, it was because she was a woman, obviously, right? <laughs> and then and then how many women are actually gonna be seen as actual leaders, actual coaches in that in that respective sport? It it yeah. becomes so much more than just the match. Um, it's funny because reading about Wildcats, I really want to watch that movie now. I was watching <laughs> clips of it and uh-huh. I mean, I checked the Rotten Tomatoes. That movie has like a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh man. It's not good, but I saw, I was watching the clips. I was like, I really like this. Like, holy <laughs> shit. I, Maybe it was one that was misunderstood. You know what? It has to go on the podcast at some point because I definitely, from what I saw, it definitely looked great. I, I didn't, I don't know what, maybe it's the other like 90 minutes of the movie that I missed because <laughs> I was just skimming through it. But yeah, you saw the 29% of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I'm, I'm sure other people have come to this thought sooner, but it was just something that kind of, I don't know, just made me think yeah. a little bit more and about sports movies in general. What I do appreciate about this one is that it doesn't really offer a like end all be all conclusion mm-hmm. to it. You know, it doesn't do like that. I haven't seen Green Book, so I don't really want to talk shit about it. But I don't know. When when you're telling me that Viggo Mortensen teaches Mahershala Ali how to eat fried chicken. (laughs) Like, are you? Well, there's something. Well, here's the thing. Green Book. And I'll go on the record and say I enjoyed Green Book a lot. Um, But it does simplify race relations. And honestly, I think most movies do. It's a lot really of movies do. It's yeah. really difficult to portray racism in, in in all of its actual dimensions and what contributes to it and what's what comes out of it in a ninety minute to one hundred and twenty minute film through the lens of Hollywood, which has historically been racist. Yeah. So so given that you know that's why sometimes television is a way better medium to really get into the nitty gritty. 
However, there are movies that get pretty close to, or not pretty close, but do a decent job at least of exploring that and giving you real outcomes and saying, look, this shit's kind of messy and we don't really know what the answer is. Because I don't think a lot of people know the answer. <laughs> but, but what is important, though, what, what is important is listening. You know? And then that's how the movie kind of ends. He's like, you know, like, I got four words for you. Listen to the woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, that's the one thing I don't like is the listen versus hearing thing. Mm. Like, I get it, but you said listen to the woman. You didn't say hear the woman. I don't know. Yeah, I feel the, like there's a little bit of inconsistency there, but that's just like a little nitpick, you know? It's it's I did, not going to like make me give it four stars instead of five, you mm -hmm. know? No, that was something I did notice as well. Um, because because I understand in what he's referencing to Jimi Hendrix, but Woody Harrelson at the end should have been hearing his wife, not listening to her. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but you're right. It's a minor nitpick. It, and ultimately, I think the choice of having Gloria leave was pretty ballsy. Yeah, it makes the movie poignant, I think is the word. It makes it like make you think about it. You know, like I did not expect it. I'm like, there's she's going to show up at the very end or all three of them are going to oh, watch. Absolutely. Like, oh, oh, this, those are the credits. This movie's over. <laughs> and it complicates things. And I like that it's complicated because I... I think Woody Harrelson was right in helping Sydney. I keep using their actual names. Billy yeah, was actually Billy was actually Billy Ho. <laughs> Billy Ho was actually. I think he was right in helping Sydney at the end. I, I he got them out of a bind. But can I blame Gloria for leaving? I mean, on no. some on some level, yes, because she just doesn't see the big picture. But that's because she doesn't know the big picture. And why doesn't she? Because nobody told her. Because she just thinks that he's going back to his old ways of just gambling and stuff, which might be out of the door officially. Realistically, probably not, though. Addictions like that, they stay with you. You know, you have to find a way to live with them. Just because you were an alcoholic doesn't mean you're not, you know, still vulnerable to alcohol. You know, like people have to staying sober is hard. It's it's something you have to keep working at. And, you know, that's why they have those badges for like six months sober, one year sober, two years like, it's an ongoing thing. Absolutely. And it is a shame, but I think it it added that, ex that extra layer of complicating it where Sydney and Billy really don't get along in that first half. And they slowly do. Right. It makes it believable. It makes the relationship, the, the friendship coming, the, the friendship at the end a lot more believable and a lot more beautiful. But it's also kind of destructive to the relationship that Billy has with Gloria. And you can't help but, but, be, but be sad about it. Yeah, but I think that Billy's problem is the lack of communication. And I feel like yeah. this time he has to learn that he needs to understand other people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. And he needs to be more forthcoming about why he's doing things, what his yep. motivations are, you know. She said some crazy shit that sometimes when you win, you actually lose or tie. Or when you tie, you, you actually win or, or some shit, you know. When you gotta extract something from an organic globule. Brother, I only have four words for you. Listen to the woman. What the hell does that mean, listen to the woman? I tried to listen to the woman. You're the one who talked me out of it. Wait a minute, I didn't have to talk to you very long. 
I mean, I presented you with an option and you took it. You shouldn't have listened to me. You should have listened to her. What, I shouldn't have listened to you then? I'm supposed to listen to you now? Yeah, I'm just trying to give you advice. Who am I supposed to listen to? You're a grown man. You're supposed to figure it out for yourself. It's It, it makes it nice. And I, again, I thought at the very end, because I've seen other movies before, especially Hollywood films, I was like, oh, she's going to come at the very end and she's going to be like, hey, baby, I didn't know that it was for this and that and I still love you and, mm-hmm. you know, and... They they were gonna ride off into the sunset. And I thought the the last shot of the film was gonna be Gloria, Sydney, and Billy walking into the sunset, <laughs> walking off to the sunset, you know, and or the yeah. three of them playing basketball, and then it's like, oh no, like it's just Billy and Sydney, and it's like, well, I'm really happy they're at this point because they were fucking hostile <laughs> towards each other oh, yeah. for the majority of the film, and that's another thing I like, just how bad they are to each other. Like they're definitely not like. And we're this, and it, it never gets it punky. Never, that yeah, it never actually gets physical too. I don't think. Um, like they, I mean, they're pushing each other and stuff, but they don't actually like fight. They don't come to blows, mm. but they they talk a lot of shit towards each other. And when Sydney oh, yeah. actually pulls the hustle on Billy, I was like, oh no, like why'd you do that? That's I was disappointed. But he does he does have a point, you know. Uh, Billy did hustle Sydney first. And I think Sydney was like trying to think of a way to to get him back the whole time. So that the first hustle was part of his hustle in the first place. Yeah. Which, I, and the, the guy is living in a motel right now and he's got gangsters coming after him. It's just like, come on, man. I mean, even, even taking the guy's money when he bets him that he can dunk. Like, t- you, you know the situation and you're still going to allow this guy to, to take <laughs> to take this bet. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, "Look, why are you going to take this man's money? Like you, you tell that he has a he has a problem." Yeah, but to Sydney's point, he has his own problems too. I mean, how, yeah, how he's do- trying to to move his family into a a home. You know, he's trying to raise his son in a home, not in the shitty Vista View apartment. Which is funny because this is the second movie that we've seen on this podcast that deals with the housing market. <laughs> yeah, because. The, uh, what was it in uh oh it's, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful life. life yeah it's a wonderful life it's a wonderful life that's that's one of the biggest issues is housing and how to afford it which i mean mirrors what's happening today here but yeah. um no sydney is in a i mean he's not in the great spot you know he has a kid no. he has a wife who they're both trying to figure out how can we move out of those apartments and it's dangerous you know because yeah, they it's get a... they get broken into and all most of their stuff gets stolen, including all the money from the tournament. That that's ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The money that Sydney he he may have st- he may have taken Billy's, but I mean he earned it. Yeah, and he he's trying to move out. You know, he's mm-hmm. and it's not his fault that he's there in the first place. Meanwhile, with Billy, it's not as much a survival thing. It's like his character and his gambling addiction and the choices he makes like makes his situation as bad as it is like he didn't need to throw the game like that wasn't a survival reason why he threw the game or why he didn't throw the game it was his ego it was his it's it that's it that's really what it is it's an ego thing well it's It's an insecurity thing it is an insecurity thing but it is also survival because the the stucci brothers will kill him uh well it becomes a survival thing because of his ego it's not sydney's ego that keeps him in poverty no 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 no. you know it, he's 
he's trying to do the he's he acts up on the courts on the street courts because he knows people will put money down for it you know it's what muhammad ali did you know he talked a lot of shit so people would pay money to see him fight oh and you know it, I mean? yeah. it wasn't an ego thing as much as it was a business thing what, what separates sydney from billy is that sydney has all these other businesses that he's working on the side um i mean i think there was a there was a list that he had there's he's, like a whole he's a carpenter plumbing how roofing like this man essentially knows everything there is to know about a house but he doesn't have one which yeah. is which is kind of sad mm-hmm. um it, it it definitely and and this push and pull is what makes a lot of the film really entertaining it's kind of seeing the conflict that both sydney and billy are billy are having to deal with billy a bit more internal sydney external and kind yeah. of and that i mean it's it is interesting because they both conflict conf, both conflicts are intense you know like, yeah there there's no easy answer you want both of them to succeed and at the very end you're like oh well they're gonna win that big tournament that's gonna give them all the money and everything <laughs> you know sydney's gonna move out and billy's gonna pay the debt and they're gonna all live happily ever after and it's like well nope. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated than that there is a big tournament but that money gets stolen and billy loses it in a bet and they still have to hustle and at the very end there's no real indication that they're going to win you know because they are very good basketball players they are not the best uh they do well, win they're the best when they're working together yes because they win everything that they, they they win every game they play when they're working together but there's that scene where he says i can promise we're gonna win and there's that look that city gives him he, or, or no billy billy says i can guarantee a victory and there's a look that Sydney has and it's you're like he, he's a little worried because it kind of I mean you know he's like I'm good we're good but these guys are great what I've interpreted that look for is like what what do you mean guarantee victory like that's not that's not you're not listening to her you know what I mean like you could say hey you owe me for being on Je- for getting her on Jeopardy you mm-hmm. know Maybe it's a look of like, oh shit, maybe I should tell Gloria that I was robbed. But I feel like there's a sense of like self-preservation still mm-hmm. with, with Sydney. He doesn't tell um, Billy that I was robbed. That's why I need this money. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't really trust Billy with that yet. Because Billy is untrustworthy. He's dangerous i think he calls him in the car i bet my half of the five grand against your half of the five grand that i could stuff it i mean wait, hold on, hold on. look billy you just want it let me give you some words of advice take some of that money and go and buy your girl a real pretty dress okay just in case she gets on that damn game show i mean you're either stupid or you're dangerous man and you can't be stupid because stupid people know they can't push my buttons and piss me off so you you must be dangerous to who to yourself look man i'm taking you home and to be fair to that point they've been at each other's throats the entire fucking movie up until that point so there's no real indication to think there's no real reason to think that oh he's gonna be on my side if i open up and tell him about about everything he's just like "Eh, you you don't know each other that well he's at the at the tournament right where they're 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 not hustling there all they have to do is play good and win and Billy just acts like a total asshole and is just shit talking everybody. He's shit talking his teammate. 
And Sydney gets rightfully upset because this this isn't like a hustle. It's it's work. It's survivability. He's trying to move out. You know, he's it's not fun and games to him. It's work. But Billy looks at everything. Yeah. Like it the consequences don't matter. Fuck is up with you? Hey, what are you worried about? I'm in a zone, man. Look, I'm in a fucking zone. They're pissed off. I'm in a zone. Billy, this is not about black and white. This is about money. This is about green. You got that? Look, man, I need this five grand. And I'm not about to let you blow this for me. No fucking way. But Billy can't also help himself because, number one, he was duped by, he was just duped by Sydney, who he thought he was a par- in partners yeah. with. Right. He might have, he might have done that first hustle. But once Sydney approached them, it was like, okay, we're in agreement. The hustle's between us stop now and we're going to, we're going to work together. Sydney betrays that. It's not until the wives get together and decide that that's what that's the deal but even at, at that point billy still doesn't get his act together no 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 he doesn't get his act because he's still upset and i can't blame him it's part of his character flaw you know, he's it's, hot-headed it's, it's it's like a tragedy because like i understand why you're doing this but it's it's hard to watch you do this you know and i think i think that's what gloria sees in billy at the end is like he's just gonna keep doing this he's gonna keep breaking my heart i can't like make him do the right thing he has to do it himself and he's not gonna do that until something changes. What does that, what needs to change? Me being here every time he fails. I like that. I like, and then we're pulling out those Shakespearean yeah. terms. Tragic. But, but no, no, but, but, but it is true. Like, that's probably the best way to put Billy's situation. He's a mm-hmm. tragic hero because he can't help himself. And I mean, he justifies talking shit to the other guys in the tournament as getting them upset. And when people get upset, they don't play as well. And I I don't know if that's true, but they do win yeah. that game. I mean, it, no, it is true. People don't play good when they're upset. It's funny to see him talk shit to the other players, but it's equally tragic to see him talk shit to Sydney. Because because when Sydney's trying to communicate to him, it's like, bro, you guys need to get on the same page because these two guys are not playing. They will <laughs> dunk on you. if And we've seen people beat you mm-hmm. before. So it's, yeah, describing Billy as a tragic character is really good. It's a good way of of placing that. I like that. And I think in terms of the characters, that's what makes them really interesting. Um, And even giving Gloria that side story of Jeopardy is interesting. It gives her something to do. It gives her something to do because ultimately, you know, normally the love interests would just kind of be in the background. It's like, baby... I don't want you to spend all your time in the basketball courts. I need you to do something. And and they don't do anything for the rest of the movie, except come back at the very end after they've been pissed. No, Gloria has a reason to be here. And if anything, she gets, she gets Billy out of trouble. Mm-hmm. There is only one problem I have with the Jeopardy thing. Is that it just comes way too convenient. I mean, it doesn't bug me as much because the film is set in L.A. Like it starts with the gross Venice beach heat, you know, and it's not unlikely that, you know, someone who can get you on the lot. I just felt it was a little. It was funny from a comedic standpoint. Do you know what I mean? Because in the beginning of the film, you're like, oh, like that's such a random thing like Jeopardy. You know, and she's naming all these things like I, I know a lot foods of words that start, that start with, with the letter Q. And the fact that that's a few foods that start with the letter Q and the fact that that's one of the categories in the show made me laugh. 
It's funny. I was, I was dying. Yeah. That was hysterical. Um, and what the fact that that little montage of just her knowing <laughs> is perfect. It's fun. And ultimately, I get that's what beats out logic. But just logically, I was like, this is way too easy. Also, the fact that he had to shoot that really difficult shot, like, as a hook all the way half court. I was like, okay, I think you... What I think really happened was you wrote yourself into a corner and you were like, eh, it's fine. People will suspend their disbelief. Which, I mean, ultimately most people did, I feel. It's not a bad thing. It's just something that sticks out. Even though I did enjoy Jeopardy. Like, I think having Jeopardy in the film is a great addition. I maybe wish that the journey there was a little bit smoother. Because even I was, because when that was happening, I was like, okay, so we just know the security guard for Jeopardy. It could have been any other game. He's on the lot. I guess. It's just, I don't know. I I didn't buy it. Like, it's not impossible, but I'm just like, it just feels a little out of left turn. Left field? Yeah, left field, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We're talking about a sports God movie, damn. and I can't even get... Um, I don't know. It just felt a little out of left field. I was like, oh, okay. And the task that he has to do is really, really difficult, and yet he's really good at basketball, so he'll obviously make it, and I'm like... I feel like it's it all serves the whole, like, you can take the horse to the to the water, but you can't make him drink it. You know what I mean? Like, he, he has no reason to screw this up. Like, everything is just happening to fall into place, except for him, because he doesn't ever learn. So it doesn't bother me because it serves that greater story. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I had some issue. I just thought it was like you 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 couldn't think of another way to include this element properly or like really smoothly. And we were just like, well, we have a character. Let's make him a security guard and he'll be able to get him. Even though security guards really aren't in t- aren't really in charge of getting contestants on the show. But that's another level of sus- suspension of disbelief. And And that's the thing. Is it totally one for one realistic? No. And are movies always going to be? No. Sometimes movies will sell you a pretty good lie as to why certain things will happen. And you're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I think it's really dependent on people because obviously it's not a big problem for you. It's not a big problem for me. It's just like a weird thing that I, I totally it took me out of the movie. I was like, ah, OK, so here is this is Ron Shelton, the writer. You know, instead of it being this world that was populated by all these different characters. Granted, it's not enough for me to be like, this is a bad movie. It's, um, it was a little weird, but <laughs> this, I think you've been watching too many cinema sins, dude. No, 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 no. I hate cinema sins. I can't stand <laughs> something they would complain about. Cinema sins will say, will complain about the title screen being too long. <laughs> I'm complaining about the believability of the film moving into its final act. And I I didn't buy it. All right. I didn't buy it. But I I will say this. This is a comedy. And her being on Jeopardy was the funniest thing in the film for me. Except that that and the your mom jokes. Oh, my God. The the your mom jokes and Gloria being on, (sighs) on Jeopardy were the funniest things in the film. So would I ultimately take that away? No, because seeing Gloria absolutely dominate in Jeopardy was amazing, especially against the 
the astrophysicist from Harvard or what was he? Well, he's a, he was a smart he, guy. He was some, That's what he was. He, he was a very, the two guys, the two guys, the two white guys were really smart people. And she just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> um, and and I, I thought it was great. And also Gloria winning the crowd. Because you notice that when the first guy came in, they all were all clapping and stuff. And then when she came in, nobody, nobody clapped. Mm-hmm. And when the third guy comes in, they clap as well. There was like an element of race to that. You know what I mean? And she's also wearing the dress that Billy got her. The Hoochie Mama the dress. Hoochie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hoochie Mama dress, which I was like, oh. Yeah. Earlier in the movie, because he lost all the money, he tries to like buy her a dress and open with the dress. Like, here, I got you this thing. By the way, I lost the money. And she's like, oh, that's why you bought me this hoochie mama dress. Like, at first, she's like, oh, I love this dress. Thank you. And then she's like, the money was mine to keep the both of us going till Jeopardy calls. Honey, Jeopardy ain't gonna call. When are you gonna fucking wake up? Jeopardy is gonna call, Billy. It is my destiny that I triumph magnificently on that show. And I'll never do that if I have to wear this stupid hoochie mama looking dress that you bought me, which was obviously a poor excuse to cover up the fact that you fucked up again. I'm gonna win, all right? I'm gonna get on that motherfucking show. And I'm gonna win because I'm overflowing with more useless goddamn information than any human being on this fucking planet. Who's Dave K. Polk? How many moons are on Pluto? What's a quiz? It's a fool, Billy, that starts with the letter Q. And I got seven more. <laughs> That's great. No, uh, funniest part of the film. Um, so, and there was there was that thing that there's there's that element to it that I was like, ah, okay, okay. And the fact that they got Alex Trebek in it too, which is great. Um, oh yeah, Alex. When did he- we can talk about? that later i think because there's there's a little bit to that that part of the oh movie. interesting okay you're asking when alex trebek died yeah well i was gonna ask when did he pass away uh he passed away in 2020 oh, two years ago wow it was nice seeing him very young cool host you know mm-hmm. it was it was a nice scene and especially after his passing very nostalgic yes especially after his passing you watch it, it's like oh that that's alex that's cool and I think that's they actually got yeah. Him. And I don't think that's the only time that he's been in a movie, like well, that a movie has nah. incorporated Jeopardy and that he's been in it. You know what I mean? He was the face mm-hmm. of Jeopardy, so it was it was really nice to have him in there. Oh yeah. Um, and I was saying that your mom jokes are hilarious. Like it's just the, the movie throughout is hilarious. That Raymond hide like jacking. The liquor store. It, I love it that. Was, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, now you're robbing me. <laughs> oh, that one. That one made me oh. laugh. Like the whole concept of it. Like, like he goes, let me go to my glove box. I'm like, he's, he's not going to have $500 in his glove box. This. No. <laughs> you hear the click of the him checking the gun. I was like, oh, my God. And he gets out and puts a ski mask on in front of the people waiting outside the the liquor store <laughs> man when he raymond <laughs> when, when he was walking in his car i was like oh he's gonna pull a gun out and he's gonna rob these guys because mm-hmm. i was like there's no like he, he doesn't have money in this or he doesn't have enough i was like oh, he's gonna pull out a gun and he's gonna and when he pulls out the gun i was like i knew it i knew, I, I told you 
I told you. <laughs> and then when he puts on the ski mask, I was like, wait a second. What are, you, what are you doing? And when he walks into the liquor store, I was like, oh my God. They took they took that joke and took it to a whole other level. And it was even, uh, it was yeah. so funny at the end. I'm going to take my, I'm going to go grab my other gun and shoot everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and you see the girlfriend. No, baby, no. It was a good game. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, there's actually a little bit to this that we can get into at the end when we talk about production cool. uh, so just another note it's like every guy has like a girlfriend mm-hmm. right and i thought yes. like their addition while not always noteworthy was it just added a little extra to it like at the very beginning with the guy who kind of like injured quotes unquote quote unquote injures himself and like is laying on his girlfriend's thigh on her leg yeah it was funny and it was cute <laughs> And then there's that girlfriend, there's there's Raymond's girlfriend who's like, no, baby, no. And then in the second, in the second one, in the match at Watts, you have the girlfriend give up her necklace, her diamond necklace. And then you have the girlfriend's friend who's like, I told you he wasn't shit. I told you. I've been telling you. Oh, I was dying. Oh, yeah. oh. it's funny. I'm wondering if they were also in on the hustle, too. Like, I'm going to act like I need more money. I'm going to put your necklace up. But don't worry. It's fine. It's we're going to we're going to hustle this white boy out of his money. And here's the thing. If they didn't know, it makes it even funnier because because now he knows <laughs> how much his girlfriend's friend hates him. Hey, how you doing? Oh, nothing, man. You look so good today. You What's know? up, baby? Oh, you're up. I, I need a dime. <laughs> what? I, I, I told you he was no good. What'd oh, I tell you? Robert. We're not even gonna listen to me. Look, look, I'll give you Robert two of those. Robert has been the dog from day one. Hey, I'll give you two. Trust me. Trust me. We'll go to the right after you. this. Don't, don't and do you listen to me? No. He's a dog, D. Dime. Oh, it's just the whole, the whole movie was yeah. great. The, the only thing that we needed were the two basketball players in the tournament to have their girlfriends. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's this movie's very funny all throughout. Um, I mean, I didn't care much for the mama jokes. I feel like they're like, man, grown men don't talk like this. <laughs> hey, it was the 90s. Your mom was an astronaut. What'd you say? <laughs> it was 92. I don't know how much they talked about mamas, but I will say this. In middle school, we talked a lot of shit about mamas. Oh, it was Mama oh, Central. Yeah. So in the early 90s, mm-hmm. and again, when you're trying to get people upset and you talk about their mom, you know, even even like in a because your mom jokes have not aged well. Like if you want to talk about retro, your mom jokes are <laughs> retro as fuck. Because I remember a Disney Channel show that was like mama jokes. And that was like the, the bit between these two characters. And like this, for me, they seem kind of toothless. You know, even if it's like, well, let's get off mama jokes. I just got off yours. Like it's yeah, the joke is you had sex with the guy's mom. But like it's. I feel like it's so adolescent. It's like, it's not really insulting. I don't know. Well, I mean, that, to be fair, a lot of it is also a front. Like a lot of these men, these backup, these basketball players are putting up a front. I mean, even Sydney, I mean, most of it, most of it, what he's saying, he doesn't really, he's not really talking shit. And when yeah, he does, it's, when, it's all, it's all, it's all to, to rile people up to, to get them to bet money. Yeah. And when someone gets upset at your mama joke, it's probably an over-exaggerated reaction to it as well. Or they might really feel, mm. except that first guy that first, like, hey, man, don't don't talk about my mom being an astronaut. Let's just get off mamas. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I loved it. I loved it. It was like, I wasn't expecting it. 
But then like, oh, this is a 90s movie set in L.A. Of course they're going to have your mom jokes. Uh, no, I, I totally love that. And those were those were some of the some of my favorite reoccurring gags. The Jeopardy, mom. And now that I mentioned it, the, the black girlfriends. Or just the girlfriends in general, because Gloria, too. <laughs> Most of them were black, yeah. but Gloria, I'm counting Gloria in there, too. Because she is ridiculous. Mm. Just when you win, oh, she's it's great. a loss, a tie, tie. It's like, I'm thirsty. But she's right, but, though. Like, she, she, no, no. She, but the thirsty thing is like, that's, that's a little silly. No, no, no. But the, the thirsty the... thing was funny. But the tie thing is right. <laughs> and I mean, granted, she explained it kind of complicated. Yeah. But she is right. <laughs> Explain it too complicated for for Billy. That's for well, sure. for me as well. Because I was like, wait, huh? Like Uh-oh. a tie is like, good... <laughs> hey, man, I guess I'm not hearing women. I guess I'm not yeah. hearing them. Nah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fixing I'm fixing their mistake because that's what they intend. Mm. Right. Uh, what else? We... I wanted to talk about the performances yeah, yeah. of the movie, because I think that the some of the jokes in the beginning weren't really like funny, funny, but the way Wesley Snipes like delivers the jokes is. Oh funny, my god! You know, well, you, <laughs> you want to talk about line delivery? I don't know if there's anyone really better than Wesley Snipes. I mean, you've you've quoted Blade how many fucking times? <laughs> like not on the podcast, like in uh. in our regular lives, you quote Blade like religiously, <laughs> and and I mean. The, I mean, yeah, the lines are kind of silly and dumb, but it's because they're performed a certain way. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like he, he, the way he says it in Blade, it's like, this is the coolest thing anybody has ever said. And it works. <laughs> and I believe that 110%. And Wesley Snipes <laughs> is firing on all cylinders. This man is such oh a great performer. This man is such a great performer. I mean, in the beginning, he is spouting off insults and jokes like nobody's business. And one of my favorite ones is when he's like, oh, man, shut your anorexic malnutrition tape born having overdose on Dick Gregory, Bahamian, Bahamian diet drinking ass up. Leave me alone. See, that that is Ron Shelton. All right. That is <laughs> that's the writer having a lot of fun there. But also, but he, yes, he he delivers that line. Super oh, and well, and, and even that, it, it's it's um it's hard goddamn work. It's hard goddamn work making another man look so goddamn bad. <laughs> and he he says that, and it works. Oh, he's so good. And Rosie Perez, I think Rosie Perez is like my favorite in the movie mm-hmm. in terms of performances and maybe character too. Uh, the the way that she get when she's on Jeopardy, like it feels like a real person actually got to be on Jeopardy and they're like a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. And then as the show is going, they're getting more confident and more confident. And like, you really believe that mm-hmm. you really believe that she looks at Woody Harrelson's, uh, she looks at Billy and she sees the man of her dreams. She sees the love of her life and everything, you know, it's just so her performance is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like when she's sad, like, Oh man, she's, she's leaving him for real this time, you know? So good. Oh no no she's she's phenomenal she's great and I think she when she's on Jeopardy it's like she definitely plays it like like someone who is prepared do you know what I mean like slightly out of place but like confident enough to know all the answers and says them right correctly and it's like wow all right she she's really got it she was great and her presence is sorely missed at the very end like 
Mm-hmm. From a story from a story standpoint, yeah, you 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 like Billy and you want him and Ro- and uh, Gloria to be together because you like them as a couple. This ending would have been better with Gloria, or not better, but happier. It would have made you feel better. It, but I think the the ending as it is is really good because it it makes you it it like drives the the, the point of the movie home. Absolutely, and what happens when you don't communicate and you don't learn from your mistakes and you just act like nothing matters because everything's going to always work out you know which is how billy acts throughout the entire movie yeah and that's not okay no and i i you definitely the ending would have been happier with gloria but without her her abs her absence is felt strongly i really like billy i think billy is an interesting character especially when you put that tragic mm-hmm. spin on it and yeah, it's I mean addiction's hard. He is he is an addict. He's an addict to gambling. He's kind of like he reminds me a little bit when you put it when we put it this way, he's kind of like uh Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. You know, like he's mm-hmm. just someone who just is digging their own hole. And you're like, stop it, why? Like, but it but it's <laughs> but it's a tragedy. Um my favorite is Sydney. Sydney and I think there's so much to Sydney that I love. Wesley Snipes' performance is great. I mean, this man is cocky, but he's vulnerable. And he's a professional. Oh, yeah. He's a professional when he needs to be, but he's a showman when he's showing off. When he when he needs when to. He, it's it's part of his like the way he survives. And he's like, you know, he works hard and he's like ambitious, but he's not impractical, you know? And and one of my mm-hmm. one of my favorite things is that he definitely is looking out for his wife. And like when she talks, he listens and he's like, oh, yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I like I'm I'm going to figure this out when their apartment gets robbed. And he's like, don't worry, I'm going to figure this out. I'm like, yes. Like, I feel confident. Yeah. That- and she she wants to get a job, too. She's been wanting to get a job. So it definitely fe- he's like, yeah, it, it feels like it's like like they're a team and it's a good team. And it's like a mm-hmm. team that you want to that you're rooting for. And that's why at the very end, you know, even though it caused Billy Gloria, I was very much like, if I was Billy, I would have, I would have played basketball too, man. Like, I was not going to let you go down like that. Yeah, Sydney, Sydney was my favorite, man. He was incredible. Mm -hmm. And even, even at the end, he's, he's like, yeah, well, I had to play because I owed you. And he's like, well, you shouldn't have listened to me. You should have listened to her. (laughs) He's like, but you talked me into it. Well, I didn't have to talk to you for very long. (laughs) Cause like I'm like yeah he didn't even tell him he was robbed yeah he didn't tell him what was at stake this guy would have done it anyway yeah that's that's why I really really like this movie because I I think it it does give you a lot to talk about we've been talking about this movie for an hour you know and we don't really see it the same way because there's a lot to to look at when you see this movie a lot to think about yeah that's what makes it an interesting movie is that um there is a few different ways to look about it and. It's funny. It's entertaining. Granted, I I still don't know why. It just it just didn't click with me in like ways that other films have. There was a there was a good sense of escalation. Um, but yeah. there was there was definitely some frustration, which is like fucking Billy, like calm your ass down. Which is the point. Yeah. Which is the point. I'm you know I'm not saying that's a negative, but there's just something. Right. There's there's something that Billy says that I don't think. Um... I don't think Sydney ever really responds to mm-hmm. it's it's when B- Billy makes this like really 
wide generalization of white and black people, the difference between them. White people want to win first, look good second. Black people want to look good first and win second. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Sydney really does anything to... Uh, he says that that's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but he doesn't really address it. I don't think the film really addresses it in a direct way. But through the course of the movie, you can um, extract why that's a stupid thing to say and why that's not true. Yeah. But it requires work from the, the viewer, I think. It, it makes... It puts that on you. Yeah, it, th this movie isn't afraid to leave things kind of ambiguous. You know, like, well, is Billy going to get his act together? Well, he doesn't have glory anymore. So, you know, maybe maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Is Sydney finally going to be able to buy the house? I mean, you know, it's, it, it, his, his financial issues seem to be resolved by the end of the film. But, I mean, really, there's not much that has changed since the beginning of the film he has a little bit more money in his pocket but well that and billy and, and him are friends but outside of the out of the grand structure of the film it's things are kind of the same still you just hope that billy learned his lesson well you hope but i mean <laughs> yeah but but that's the beautiful thing about this film if he had ended up with gloria you'd be like oh any problems that they encounter from here on out it, they're gonna be able to solve through basketball well exactly any problems that are like if it had been Sydney, Billy, and Gloria at the end, you would have been like, man, these three can solve any problem that comes their way. But without Gloria, you're like, well, uh, you know, and, and Billy yeah. and Billy is, you know, the movie does a good job of convincing you that he's just a guy, you know, and, you know, men, when they do stupid shit, they could do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they never stop. <laughs> they never stop. So... It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I. It's hard for me to really just kind of go into why I. It, it just didn't click. And sometimes that happens. Like, just not every movie is going to be like, oh, okay. You know, I know. I know. Um, you know, Avengers Endgame was the biggest movie of the decade. And I know some people just didn't. Just didn't click with it. Doesn't talk about the quality of the film. It's just really their relationship with it or their, their experience watching it. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think this is definitely, definitely worth watching, especially because, especially since it's on Hulu. It's like, well, just watch the fucking thing. Yeah. And, and Rosie Perez is great in it. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I looked up some context for, for basketball during the late eighties and nineties that might be relevant. Yeah. Let, let's go for it. Let's talk about it. Earlier. I was in the, in the show we were talking about why was best was basketball more popular back then than it is now. Right, because we don't really know a lot of superstars by name. Whereas in the '90s, I feel like I could name quite a few, even though I wasn't like a big basketball fan. Well, not incorrect, <laughs> because in the '80s and '90s, like you, I found a graph showing the NBA Finals ratings, and basketball in the 2000s doesn't even get to where basketball was at its lowest in the '90s. Or, or 80s. Yeah, except for 80, 81. 81, there was 81. 79 to 81 have, like, really bad viewership. Almost as bad as 2007 and 2003. <laughs> um, there are two notable dips in the 90s. In 1990 and 1994 and 1999. Uh, can you guess why they dipped in those three places? 
Michael Jordan wasn't playing. <laughs> yep. Michael Jordan had retired in 90, in the 93 to 94 season. And there's a huge dip in, in the ratings. And then he, re- he came back and then he retired again in 99. And huge drop in NBA finals viewership. Shit. In 19, yeah, huge. It never gets to, to where it was in 98. Uh, you know what um, I was in, saying about that one, you know, team sports aren't really about one man. That's clearly fucking wrong. Right. Yeah, it's, I'm like, oh man, that's not true, buddy. <laughs> At least in terms of, like, he did have a good team. You no, know? no, very, when he went to Scotty Pippen, I, uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. So definitely some somewhat of what I'm saying is true, but I mean, but definitely, yeah, yeah. Michael Jordan was the hottest fucking thing. Oh yeah, and in 1990, I think the Bulls didn't go to the playoffs. They didn't go to the finals. So maybe you, why would you watch the finals if it's two teams you don't really care about? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was like the the Detroit Pistons. I think I just looked at it and I've already forgotten. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was the Detroit Pistons and the Portland Trail Blazers. Mm. I don't even know what those teams' logos look like. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> um, I'm sorry to any anybody in Detroit or or Portland <laughs> if you're big fans of those teams. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just an ignorant ignorant boy who barely watches basketball at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were we were correct in thinking basketball is popular more popular in the '90s because of Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Probably true. Um, you're also talking about uh, race in the NBA um, and the NBA. The league was founded in New York City, June 6th, 1946. The first four years of the NBA had no black athletes. Whoa. Zero. And then in 1950, the first NBA player was drafted. His name, Earl Floyd. Earl Floyd, October 31st, 1950 in Rochester, New York. Earl Floyd made his NBA debut, officially making him the first African-American to play in the league. He finished with six points and a game high of 10 rebounds after entering the contest in the second half. So he's the first one in 1950. Um, And, you know, there's several others that, that came in around the same time, but like the first like really big star uh, was like Will Wilt Chamberlain and um, Bill Bill Russell who who came out in 56 Wilt Chamberlain was in 59 and Oscar Robinson was in 1960 uh, and then you get like your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's um, and eventually Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and I, I think in the by the 90s there were more black players in any other race and dunking became more of a popular thing due to Wilt Chamberlain as well. Oh God. He was not the first player to dunk, but apparently uh, when people would dunk before it would make the other team really upset. They did not like it. They thought it was too uh, showboaty. Kind of going to what Woody Harrelson was saying. Right. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) <laughs> and people would uh run under their legs to like trip them up when they're when they're coming down mm. but i guess nobody wanted to do that against will chamberlain <laughs> they would be flattened 
Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of basketball history uh, to kind of inform the viewing of White Men Can't Jump. There is, it is based in a little bit of history, or it does reflect a little bit of history, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't based on it. For writing the script, this is interesting. Ron Shelton wrote Gloria's part for a white woman. Oh, what? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And her, uh, when Rosie Perez was auditioning, her agents told her, they, 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 I don't know if they're going to want a Puerto Rican for this. They, they want this role written for a white woman. And she's like, every role is written for a white woman. Ooh. <laughs> so she auditioned, auditioned anyway. And it was, uh, he says that it was when she delivered the line, you got hustled. And she delivered it with such authenticity that the part was hers. It was made for her. And she's a huge Jeopardy fan to begin with. Really? Oh, yes. that's okay. That's even better. That's awesome. Her, her like anxious nervousness in, in the Jeopardy scene was real because she was a big fan of the show. She was a big fan of Alex Trebek. She thought that there'd be an actor to play Alex Trebek. But you can't get an actor to play Alex Trebek. No, you can't. Not, not unless you're doing a biopic of Alex Trebek. You know, so when she actually sees Alex Trebek, that's real. That nervousness is real. When she, when she says what so the, the volcano that destroyed Pompeii, she's like, what is Mount Suvius? That was real. That she, she got her tongue twisted because she was nervous. Because that's Alex Trebek. It's Mount Vesuvius. So instead of cutting the scene, he goes to the judges and says, Ooh, going to have to get a ruling on that one. They say it's okay. All right, Gloria. The board is yours. That, was, that wasn't in the script. That was real. But it happened and they decided to change it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Because I was wondering. I, I, I don't that. watch Jeopardy. So I was like, oh, is that like a thing? But... Yes, that's a thing. And sometimes they're like, they don't let it happen. If someone says something wrong or the spelling is wrong, sometimes they'll be like, nope. Ah, interesting. I, that's awesome. I'm glad that I went to Rosie. There was never a moment when I doubted her character or her for the role. You know what I mean? It's like it was made for her. All three of these roles went to the right actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't think of a better pairing than the three of them. Again, they're, I think they're the best part. Of the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, even though some of the jokes I don't think are, like, that funny, but the way that they sell them, so good. Yeah. Like, it's in some way, it just all works together. Yeah. I read an interview with her on The Vulture, which I can post on our blog post when we release this episode, where she talks about the scene where she says goodbye to, to Woody Harrelson's character. She says that that also came from a place of reality. Um, she's been on a bunch of movie sets before where everyone's friends and then you never see them again. And she was like, this is one of the most, this is the most fun time I've ever had making a movie. I'm never going to see Woody again. We're going we're gonna to say nice things and we're never going to see each other again. And so she took that with her into, into the scene and those, those tears were real. And she went into her trailer and cried afterwards because she's never going to see Woody again, um, which is great. You, like you believe it. Because actors take themselves to a place of reality to to deliver an emotional performance. It's also the bonds that you formed with them when you're on set and spending months or weeks working together, getting getting close to each other. And yeah, yeah, I mean, they must spend a lot of time together and they have real chemistry. You buy you buy them. So they have like a natural Mm -hmm. chemistry with each other. And this was like her third 
like movie role but like i mean she wasn't sure you know she because she was a dancer she was a dance choreographer for a bunch of celebrities but she didn't really know where things were headed and like you said this might have been the last time she thought that this was the last time she was going to see woody and that could be depressing yeah they had become such good friends too it's almost like your 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 college buddies that you never see yeah your high school friends like hey like there's nothing like i i love you guys but you know everyone goes their separate ways however yeah I am happy that they were reunited at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. That makes me want to see their bit even more now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was really cute. And, it, and that's where I kind of got the idea. I was like, oh, let's let's watch this movie. Let's see what this is about. Because that was real. Their bond was real. It convinced you <laughs> through the, the hokey Oscars announcements and whatever, you know, because it is kind of hokey. But it, oh, yeah, something clicked there. You know, it was like the Pulp Fiction one. Like it was hokey. But it's like, but they, but they really spent time together and on mm-hmm. set, and there was a bond there that is still somewhat there. Yeah. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, based in reality, the the scene with Raymond was actually actually happened in real life with Ron Shelton. He said in an interview with ESPN, he's talking about. While he was writing Bull Durham, he used to play basketball in between, like, you know, writing. He'd take a break from writing, go play basketball. One day he goes to the basketball courts and it's all locked up. And he's like, hey, what happened? And the guy's like, hey, you know, Raymond? Yeah, he went to the glove box. (laughs) There was an argument over a foul and he shot the other guy dead. What? (laughs) Oh, he actually killed the dude? Yeah. Oh my god. That's wild. Oh gee, okay. People get heated when you it, talk shit like that. Like you can't just go around talking shit and not expect something to happen. To no, you. of course not. Right? <laughs> you, I mean, that's probably why Sydney was scared. Yeah, yeah, cuz like how many guns are there in this movie that get pulled on people? There's quite a bit, right? This is yeah. Stucci <laughs> brothers, Raymond the huh? the Watts guy, when Woody goes to his house to confront him about the money, oh, or yeah, when um right. yeah, when no, Billy when goes he, over to Sydney's house to Sydney's house, yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> and the the dunking thing with Woody Harrelson, he they were all having a lot of fun on this set. They were all friends. They're all laughing, and the director's like, "Well, we need to get this shit done." You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and Woody is trying really really hard to get this dunk regulation height is 10 feet and he's he can't do it and the scene needs it you know it's in the script it's part of the scene can't do it can't do it can't do it he they they try to make him lower to get him okay to, to with lowering the thing and he's like no 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 i want to do it for real when he goes to his trailer ron Shel- shelton tells him hey lower that lower that court down by six inches so we can get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> so when woody dunks the basketball it is not at a regulation height <laughs> but he didn't know that but he didn't know that ah. but maybe he was hiding in his trailer to give them an excuse to lower it so he could look like he didn't know ah the old yeah. uh protect the male ego kind of thing mm, very in line with billy <laughs> could be i'm not saying that that's what he did i'm just saying no it, it could have happened if it's it, not outside I, the realm of possibilities that that could happen no 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 i just think that's funny because it's like well I guess white men can jump. 
the the is the article is funny because when it talks about that it it says white men can jump sort of <laughs> <laughs> yes this, this article on espn written by jeremy willis great great job this came out recently by the way april, oh, really? april 12th came out two days ago from recording <laughs> this, oh nice ah so i'm glad that i was that we recorded it in time for us to read from this article. Yeah. If we had recorded this earlier, we wouldn't have been able to get that. Yeah. That's what that's one of the perks of doing older movies cuz people are more willing to talk about things, you know? Oh, yeah. Cuz you're you're worried about your career when you're doing these movies so that you're only going to say nice things, right? Oh, yeah. But now that that the you know, times 30 years have passed, you can kind of talk about this stuff, oh, you know? Yeah. And talk about it in a light manner. Yeah. Rosie Perez hated that dress. She said it looks like a hoochie mama dress. And then Ron Shelton learned a new word that day. Hoochie and he mama. put it in the script. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was wondering how much of this movie was written by Ron Shelton and how much was improvised. Like I'm, I'm saying like the big beats, obviously, you know, oh, the tournament, kind of the conflict with the Stucci brothers and stuff like that. But the your mom jokes and the dialogue. I'm like, so, no white guy could have written all of this. Because when she says that, this is a hoochie mama dress. I was like, <laughs> Ron Shelton from Beverly Hills or wherever he's from did not write that down. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely am curious. And you're right. <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely curious to see the percentage of imp- of dialogue that was improvised versus written. And what how much of it was used. One thing, unfortunately, that I could not find was why this movie costed so much to make. Yeah. So... Costed? I, I say costed. Why this movie cost so much to make? I don't know either. I did notice that they filmed on a lot of spot, uh, parts in L.A. that are L.A. I mean, they're running across yeah. the freeways. They're playing at these basketball courts. Uh, when they're driving, they're like actually driving. It's not green screen or anything. And they're driving mm-hmm. out in the street. So I'm guessing it's not cheap to film in L.A. Granted, I didn't think no, it, was, it is not. I didn't think it was 30 million, but I'm like, well. I... But I think it does like add something to the movie you know it does it does stand out you know it's it's like a lost in translation like you couldn't get that same feel if you weren't filming in the actual place where it was supposed to where this story actually happened yeah you know yeah definitely and also another thing that they had to account for were was the basketball training that that uh that Woody and Wesley had to go through because they actually oh, yeah. got some actual basketball players in their professionals, mm-hmm. um, the locations. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's not really a wholly expensive. I mean, ah, man, they must have because they film a lot of these things during the day. So they must have filmed yeah. these basketball, like the tournament matches over a course of days, which mm-hmm. could actually and add up. They're actually playing basketball. They don't have doubles as far as i know yeah, they, no. he had to cast people who would actually play basketball there's that scene in the beginning where woody woody harrelson is like making the shots and he mm-hmm. like immediately like turns around and you can see it's him you're like oh shit like he's actually making these shots yeah you know i granted how no who, who knows how many takes he's it's taken yeah they definitely were trying to market like make the studio was trying to make this a thing like, this movie was, like, a thing that they were trying to make. I mean, they made a whole music video with Riff called White Man oh, yeah. Can't Jump. 
and and Woody and Wesley and Rosie are in the music video. White Man Can't Jump. There's a video game. White Man Can't no. Jump with the with, for the Atari. There's oh a God. there's a game. There's a video game by Jaguar <laughs> Atari. Oh my God! I gotta play this game. I'll play it on stream sometime. I mean, as far as I know, it doesn't look like. It doesn't game. look like either of the either of the the leads are in there, <laughs> but they do have white characters, so you know I guess that somehow ties with white men can't jump. But they yeah. they made a video game, and they also Nike released shoes that were inspired by both Billy and Sydney. Hmm. They would they did like a line uh, like a line of shoes. I was like, oh, this is inspired by Billy. Like Billy and Sydney from White Men Can't Jump, and it's like, oh, damn, okay, that's also no- another expense because you have to I have bet. a lot of shoes. Yeah, but I, I'm it, assuming Nike did have some money in, invested because they wore a lot of Nike shoes. Well, <laughs> if you ha- if you have a basketball movie and your shoes suck, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, I feel like that's that's a, a improbability that some people would have a problem with. Oh, a lot of people would have a problem with that. <laughs> so I could definitely see them putting some chunk of change into the shoes alone. And because they're filming for days and they're wearing these shoes out. I mean, hey, we mm-hmm. all right, get the next pair. And it's a marketing thing, too. One other thing I wanted to talk about as far as legacy, they are actually going to try to remake this movie. I saw that. Oh, you yeah. sound like you're unhappy with that. I mean, there are some remakes that I'm like, oh, I could see that. It makes a lot of sense. And there are some where I'm like, why? This is kind of like in the latter. Um, just because I'm watching it. And again, it was 30 years ago. I'm watching it now. What's aged? The your mom jokes? Okay, yeah, sure, whatever. The the shoes? I guess, okay. But you could say they're vintage and Nike shoes. I think this movie has aged pretty well, all things yeah. considered. The way I see it, it's like they're they're wanting to, to remake Point Break. You know, it's like, why? The original <laughs> works. And with Point Break, I was right because that new one was not great. Yeah, so. you got to do something new with it, right? Apparently well, the, the new one cast uh, Jack Jack Harlow. Yeah, who's a, to be. who's a rapper. I think he he's won some Grammys or a he, really he big guy. He did a song with uh, Lil Nas X. Good for him. But I've never seen him act. I've seen the, I've seen them in music videos. <laughs> Never seen them act, and apparently yeah. everyone was blown away by how good he was. And I'm like, oh, well, we'll see. We'll fucking see then. Uh, I'll tell you yeah. this: he's no Woody Harrelson. I'm willing to put my money down on that. So I I don't know. It just it just seems a little needless. But I I don't know. I mean, if they if they found a new spin for why a new reason why white men can't jump, I'm all for it. Then go for it. But um, if it's not rated R and if it ends all hunky dory for everyone, I'm going to be upset. And and these new leads better be as good as Snipes, (laughs) Harrelson and Perez. I'm not accepting anything less. That's fair. That's fair. I will not go see it if it doesn't have good reviews. Like it needs to be like, amazing like i need to see five stars everywhere yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) maybe not five stars everywhere but like it needs i need to hear that it's good or i need to hear at least the leads are great because if they're like eh the plot or basic retread of the original maybe the jokes aren't that funny but the three leads are great 
If that's the case, okay, like fine, I'll go watch it. Because again, I'm not I'm not inherently crazy about this original one, but because those three are so good together, I'm like, yes, yeah. like you have to get that core right. If you mm-hmm. don't get that core right, what the fuck are we doing here? I'll just go watch the original. Yeah, it's on Hulu. And I don't have to pay anything for it. <laughs> and it's gonna be like, you know, streamed around Netflix, Amazon Prime. It's a circle, it's a circuit. But I mean, look, mm-hmm. um, obviously they're trying. Good luck to them. I don't ever want a movie to fail, obviously, because if, it, if it's a great movie, hell, there's a chance it could be even better than the original. Maybe. Yeah. What if we find a new Rosie Perez? What yeah. if we find a new Wesley Snipes? Mm-hmm. You know what? It's not. And what if Jack Harlow is really, really good? And it's like, oh, this kid can act and rap like hey is, isn't that what people say about harry styles we can't rap but i he know what you sing. mean he can sing. <laughs> hey, he's a triple threat right is that what they call them yeah or, you know double well i don't know what's his triple one but he can like when they dance too i don't know i don't know about that but again in the end of the day i wish the i wish this production luck um but hey man you better bring it you better bring it because again <laughs> this is white men can't jump is is a good movie it's got a lot yeah. of solid foundation, a lot of good storytelling uh, in that. Yeah. 30 years later, we could talk about this and have some disagreements about the interpretations that we're having because it's kind of ambiguous. And that's the point, And that's wonderful. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It could be better. Um, it could be good. You know, I don't like I heard really good things about the Fresh Prince remake. And and I heard really good things about the Wonder Years remake. So, well, I oh, guess, yeah. but I mean, the the Fresh Prince one seems like it's a complete one eighty, right? It takes so the, when I saw the that premise, but it, it approaches it from a, a drama perspective, not a yeah. Like, which which it's like, oh, I you know what I mean? Like I see what they're doing. It makes sense. Like you know, oh, taking it from a com- comedic sitcom to a single camera drama. Right. That's mm-hmm. I mean, still funny, I'm guessing, but it's a bit more it's a bit darker. I'm like, oh, yeah, like that, obviously. So if they if they go, if they do something like that, then, hey, I'm all for it. Then let's do it. Yeah. All right. You want to do quotes? Yes, let's do quotes. So at the end of our episodes, we like to talk about, uh, you know, summarize how we feel about the movie and the way that we thought of to, to best do this is to think of a quote that exists in the movie that summarizes how we feel about it. Or it could just be our favorite quote and we give a little thing about it. It's our version of the Blink Star Review. Usually, George goes first and usually, George breaks the rules by picking two. I actually have one today. Excellent. And uh, I have one today and I think it really ties into how I feel about this movie. Um, it's from Sydney, and it's like, look man, you can listen to Jimmy but you can't hear him. There's a difference, man. <laughs> Just because you're listening to him doesn't mean you're hearing him. And I think that's kind of how I relate to this movie a bit more because it, people have loved it. People like it. It was reviewed well. It means a lot to a lot of people. And I like it. But am I hearing it? I don't think so. And <laughs> I don't know. It might change when I rewatch this movie in a few years or I might just might just not totally sync up with me. It is what it is. All right. Great quote. I 
spoiled it. I I said that my quote would be winning and losing is all part of the is all part of an organic globule from which one extracts what one needs. Um cuz you do get more out of the movie I think if you uh, watch it from multiple perspectives, you know, like w- watching it from the a, a race the race relations aspect of it, why maybe the characters' backgrounds and influences their motivations and some of the things that they do might be faults in their character, faults that maybe we have as people. It, it, it teaches a good lesson, I think. And it's, it's funny, you know? Like, the performances, like, I, I can get so much entertainment value from this movie. I think you can get a lot from this movie if you watch it looking to get as much as you can from it. Like, mm-hmm. extracting from the organic globule what one needs, like what Rosie says, what Gloria says. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my quote, which kind of applies to every movie, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Retrograde. Again, you can check this movie out on Hulu. Totally recommend it. Definitely worth a watch. Austin. Well, we actually don't know what movie we are talking about next week. And there's actually another movie that's celebrating an anniversary that I really want to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I know. So we wanted to talk about Ice Age and Zodiac, uh, which have anniversaries, which I think would be great films to talk about. Zodiac would be our first David Fincher film. Ice Age, uh, an animated film. I don't think we've done too many of them. You've done one, maybe? Mm. Toy Story? Yeah, one. But... There's another one that I kind of want to do that I'm like, oh, this would be a good one. What is it? 1997's Selena starring Jennifer Lopez. Yes. I haven't seen that movie in a minute. Yes. And it's celebrating its 25th anniversary. And Benifer is back. I think it's I think just the stars are lining up. Uh, and I love Edward James almost. Ah. Uh, Fuck, I think that's that might be the next one. All right. I'm the court jester will have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that about does it for this episode. You can find us, uh, find out what our next episode is actually gonna be. Follow us on social media. We also have a Discord. Uh our you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at retrograde underscore pod. Retrograde underscore pod. We're on Facebook, but who cares about facebook uh our discord um if you want to get in just dm us on instagram or twitter um it's it's a pretty cool place where we chill talk about movies you get updates on uh our trailers and our blog posts and some streaming something uh we talk about video games there too share some memes very very wholesome place mostly (laughs) uh we will be back in two weeks with another movie, um, I'm leaning towards Selena because mm-hmm. uh, I used to love her when I was a kid. Oh, who like, didn't then? Oh, Selena was great. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the next one, actually. Oh, yeah. All right. So we'll see you in two weeks with Selena. See ya. See ya.